I heard your dog won the Game of Thrones. He did, yeah. Very, very excited about it. Few few people saw that coming, except for Las Vegas. Hmm. They, they, have we not talked about this? I try to not ever talk and or think about anything involving Las Vegas, so probably not. So I guess what we can... Um, you'll insert the spoiler horn here in the show. Um, so yeah, we, we are, we are going to spoil some Game of Thrones stuff here. But yeah, <laughs> it I... doesn't matter. <laughs> I did generally try to stay away from spoilers going into this season, but I was listening to a Bill Simmons podcast actually. And he had had someone on, uh, who was, who was in a game of Thrones and they, they kind of got off on a bit of a tangent. And this person mentioned what the betting odds were for who was going to like basically be the king or queen at the end of the show. Like betting odds being like a Scottish teen type situation. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I distinctly remember this. Like at the time I'm like, should I skip this? Like, but I'm like, no, like, there's no chance that this is accurate, like, whatever. And it was this really random character who had crazy good odds that they were going to be, like, they were the favorite to become um, the king. And it was, like, so out of left field that, like, the second I heard it, I was like, God damn it, I bet something happened and, like, something got leaked. Um. But then I also thought, well, you know, the show writers had said that they filmed like a couple of different endings to try to help preventing it spoilers and stuff. But no, the 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 character who was favored um, in this thing that I had heard before the season started totally randomly became king in the last episode. In a twist that was in no way led up to or earned in any way. And that was Bran? Yes. Is Bran his actual name, or is that a nickname? It's uh, see the this, the Game of Thrones super nerds are going to get mad at me, but it, it, it's either it's Brandon or yeah, I guess it's Brandon because Brandon wouldn't abbreviate to Bran, so I guess it's Bran. It's Brandon Stark is the is his full name. Is that Iron Man's cousin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah, yeah. That was weird. They did this big Marvel crossover in the series finale. Very strange. I love not giving a shit about so many like verticals in the entertainment world where it's just so easy not to care. Um, yeah. So see, I feel like I, so I was in a really good position with game of Thrones because I'm like the very definition of a casual fan of that show. Uh, like over the last couple of seasons, the story and the number of characters kind of narrowed where it was actually pretty easy to follow. But for the first five or six seasons, there was just so much going on and so many characters that I, you know, I kind of followed, <laughs> like, you know, the main stuff and a handful of the side stuff. And so when the story, like, really went off the rails these last couple of seasons, um, you know, I I, I kind of just went along for the ride and got to kind of sit back and both enjoy the show and all of the commentary around it. Yeah, like so like Twitter and stuff is like it's it's thrones adjacent or whatever. So like I I've never seen more than 20 minutes of the show cuz I found it not enjoyable at all. But yeah, like I I know like you kind of absorb enough of it. It's one of those cultural things where eventually you just kind of you you get some of it. So so I have two clarifying questions since we're on spoilers and then we'll move on. Um Dragon Lady is she, was she a protagonist? Like was she a good 
person or is is that complicated is that is that problematic or complicated uh it's complicated but not in like a breaking bad good sort of way where hmm. she had been a protagonist the entire stretch of the show and actually probably had the most interesting character arc of anybody on the show and then all of a sudden over the course of two episodes in the final season she went from being generally pretty good to just being pure evil without any sort of like just like i was saying with brand becoming king like without any sort of lead up and without like there's this kind of there's this moment in the second to last episode where she like really kind of breaks bad as as twitter likes to say mm. and it it could have been such a cool moment like had they been building to that kind of like remember when hank dies in breaking bad Jeez, like spoilers that, well sorry see that that show don't spoil but yes but like that i mean that moment is so powerful like not even really because of the way it happens but just because of the way that they had led up to that basically since the beginning of the show and this thing with daenerys turning bad was just it kind of just out of left field and not not earned in any way. So it was it was it was really bad. Well, in a, in a selfish way, I'm kind of uh, happy that everybody's upset. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it's feels. I don't know. It, I mean, for me, like I said, like as as a casual fan, I'm not upset. Like the the last couple seasons were wildly entertaining and incredibly, um, um cinematic i mean it was like especially with season eight this last season it was like every episode was like a movie it was it was pretty impressive some of the stuff they did but storytelling wise it was just a (laughs) a disaster well so so let's zoom out for a second so you you're aware of the uh change.org petition to reshoot the final season i've heard something about that yeah and then The Onion had a good story about uh, showrunners of Game of Thrones are uh, dissatisfied with the declining quality of Game of Thrones fans. <laughs> um, so I guess, what are your thoughts? And I, this has been talked about to death on a lot of different shows, but like of people who, and I, and I don't include you in this, because again, you, you say you're a casual fan, of people who have like, and I think this there's a ton of crossover uh, with, with uh, the Star Wars people, where maybe there's kind of, an unhealthily personal relationship with the media that some people consume where like they feel entitled to, or like just really like that their opinion matters on how something played out or how media like exists. Like, like what are your thoughts on that? I actually have a little bit of a different reaction to that. I actually think fan reaction is usually pretty accurate like you you've referenced star wars i i think the reaction to episode seven and to rogue one which were the two movies that disney did first well but those actually ones right yeah and the and the reaction to that was essentially universally positive and then where you started to hear a bit of uh frustration was with the last jedi and with Solo, which were both not nearly as good. And it's the same thing with Game of Thrones. It's, I mean, objectively, the first six seasons of that show were 
just fantastic visually story-wise across the board. And then the last two seasons were visually really, really impressive, but all of a sudden just completely went sideways storytelling wise. And the story is, is what a lot of game of Thrones fans were super into. So I don't know. In both of the examples you bring up, I actually think the kind of the, the mob reaction from the fan base was sort of consistent with, you know, I mean, Star Wars, I'm not quite as objective in because I just love Star Wars. But like with Game of Thrones as as kind of a neutral observer of the show, I guess, like I, I thought the fan reaction was pretty justified. Like I actually, I I remember after episode five so the second to last episode uh, the lady friend asked me how it was when i as soon as i was done watching it and i I think the first thing i said was people are going to be really mad about that one (laughs) just because i could tell like it was it just wasn't something that fans were going to enjoy i i guess my like maybe i have to reframe the question it's not that can people be disappointed with media they like it's the the um visceral anger and entitlement that uh accompanies something that they didn't like that they feel is owed to them no i i guess that, yeah. like, i mean like i mean I, I understand people have like three decades worth of sentiment and attachment to to the star wars franchise but a lot of stuff and especially with this game of thrones stuff there's just such a um uh odd and maybe um misplaced passion and uh anger towards it not just i didn't like it but just it's it's something beyond that and it feels like there's a ton of media recently that's kind of falls in that category maybe that's just amplified by the fact that like everybody has uh whether or not it's a good thing it's probably a bad thing has uh, a, a soapbox on twitter to share that kind of stuff where before like if you were super passionate about something you might have you might have had a blog or something but like you just didn't have the audience to hate something as much as people seem to these days if it doesn't meet really high expectations for the media they want yeah and i i do understand what you're saying but i guess specific to the uh situation with game of thrones i don't really think there was like some unrealistic high standard the show didn't meet i think i think the last two seasons were just they were just really bad story-wise like they 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 kind of ruined a lot of what they spent the first six years building. And it's compounded with the Game of Thrones thing because there's also been this huge delay in these last couple of books coming out too. So the fan base is like even more sensitive towards the way they feel like the story's been treated. But it was HBO's creation. Why does it matter? Like I like I, I guess it's the part where like the community or the 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 audience doesn't own it. Like you can be, you can be bummed that it wasn't what you wanted it to be, but you you don't get to be mad about it. I I do think you get to be mad about it, um, mm. but I but there there are limits. I mean, signing petitions to have the show reshot is kind of silly. Uh-huh. And then if I mean it goes without saying, if people's opinions start to turn into like threats towards the show's creators or go off in some crazy direction like that, that's obviously completely not okay but i don't know i think like i mean feeling passionate about this stuff i i generally don't see much of an issue with that i i think the difference is passion versus 
like hatred. Like I mean, like you, like I mean, we're passionate about about like Apple. God, that sounds really depressing. Passionate about <laughs> Apple stuff. God damn. It. Okay, I've just instantly, immediately realized my life doesn't matter. That's cool. Um, <laughs> we're we're here to, here to help people, Carlos. But I mean, like I have many thoughts about HomeKit and, and stupid <laughs> and consequential shit. God. Mm. But like, I'm not. Uh, hoping that Tim Cook gets or that Johnny Ive gets yelled at for uh, like or like like I don't want people to ambush Johnny Ive the same way they ambush Robert Mueller every time he leaves he walks out from church to his Subaru like just because the MacBook keyboard sucks like I mean <laughs> I just think it's I don't know like maybe I just I just I just need to cut my Twitter usage from 10 minutes a day to zero and then maybe I would think better about this I um no I, I I get what you're saying I'm I am doing a little devil's advocate thing here. Oh, but also um, you're you're a sensible, not garbage person. Like you understand how thank, to have thank you. Like I mean, you understand where you can be passionate about media, but also you understand it doesn't fucking matter. Like I mean, I, I don't know. It's just man, nerds ruin everything. <laughs> okay, spoiler horn. Uh, spoiler horn done you can put chapters in this we won't uh, so people can skip that <laughs> hopefully the very <clears throat> very very important stuff we're going to talk about later will will still have an audience because people wouldn't have shut that up can i can i get your can i get your quick just quick take on something before we C- leave this topic certainly i have no take because i've never watched it because i thought it was a hyper violent bad show no 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 it, it, it's it's um tangentially related as we as we like to say before we started recording tonight sure sure um oh yeah what's what's your like what's your what's your statue of limitation with spoilers with tvs tv shows and movies because they those i think those can be two separate numbers it depends about things i hate and i think people shouldn't enjoy i don't know it depends like i think like no put like put yourself in the shoes of something that you would like to kind of go into without knowing much about like what what's your what's the reasonable expectation for on 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 a podcast or on what? Just like like okay, let's say that um, Better Call Saul is coming back, and it's like the big season finale for next season, which may end up being like the series finale. Who knows? Se- season end plus a month. Okay. Okay. Like it depends. Like if it's in a show that's about like pop culture, like I've I've only listened to a few episodes of um, friend of the show Jason Snell's TV Talk Machine, but like if they were talking about spoilers, like. That's a place where, like, I think it's kind of expected that there are spoilers. Like, I would assume that in the conversation, they'd be like, oh, hey, we're going to talk about this. And then they there's like a small like, and if you're somebody who's like, oh, no, I haven't watched it. You can you just you can just fast over it. But like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think people. Sh- that's the other thing where that's so much of social media is dominated by what is like to spoiler talk or immediate conversation about what's on TV. So I I don't know. But I think in general, like. Yeah, a season end plus a month. But again, but I'm also not somebody who who thinks that nobody should be allowed to talk about the media they like for fear of spoilers. Like if you care, like if you if you literally care that much, then stay off social media. But I think I think there's a media there's a happy medium to be struck there. Yeah, see, I guess I, I have a different kind of maybe more hard line take. I think with if it's if it's something you really really care about and something you really don't want to have spoiled, I would say a couple of days for a TV episode. And I would say maybe like two weeks for a movie. And beyond that, it's, it's kind of on you. 
Yeah, like I, 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 my position is not super hardline about about that, but yeah, I don't know. Because like, but but there's the thing is like, there's also like, there's like jokey intentional or not? Sorry, not jokey, jerky intentional spoilers where somebody's just trying to ruin something for somebody versus somebody having a discussion where spoilers may come up and then there's enough um contextual stuff around it where you can be like okay i'm gonna uh, exit i'm gonna close this browser window or i'm going to try to not have this like be visited upon me like i don't know i just you're, you're gonna slide out of the dms is that can is that a thing can you slide in but then slide back out i so rarely use twitter dms <laughs> i i I'm not sure that I ever have, to be honest. Yeah, Instagram DMs. I I I'm sliding all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, commenting on dogs. <laughs> I'm doing many things. On I think it's called Instagram Direct. Uh, God, you've never sounded older. Uh, <laughs> um, sliding all over. So I, I take issue with that because I think there are many. many I, I am reminded. I actually. Um, over the past month, I am very, very constantly reminded how, just how old I am. <laughs> uh, big difference between uh, plus or minus three years from how old I am. Leave it there. You don't look a day over 40, Carlos. And my body feels like it's 72. <laughs> my body feels like Medicare will not be there for me. <laughs> Social Security. Anyway, what? let me open up Omni Outliner. We, let me... we actually have a lot of stuff because we kind of... we. I actually thought we had a really good episode last week, but we we did didn't not. really talk. We didn't really talk about anything we were supposed to. All right, we had a we had a fine episode, but we, there was so much leftover stuff, which luckily you, pres- you preserved in the document. Of course, even even though we don't actually have a document in that way, because um, I don't I hate Google Docs. Okay, but I have a few more frivolous things before we get to that. Okay, so hockey update: mm. Sharks are out. Yes. So we're gonna move past that. Whatever. I mean, uh, the last game was the third period of the last game was rough. It's not great. Um, but we need the Blues to win. Because um, the Bruins seem like a really fighty team. And I don't like that at all. But also, you know what? If the Sharks can't win, I want Barkley's team to win. So it's all about the Blues. I, I agree for, for both of those reasons. And the, you know, the Blues have never won the Stanley Cup. They're the team that's been in the nhl the longest without having won it they haven't even been to the final since 1970 so are they are they kind of like uh i might be mixing sports metaphors but are they kind of like a cubs situation but hockey yeah exactly yeah the hockey equivalent of the cubs okay so yeah i i I want them to win again i i I don't yeah, hockey fighting, I just really dislike. So, and the Bruins seem very, very fight happy. So, yeah, Boston. Boston's an incredibly unlikable team. Boston's a very unlikable city. <laughs> uh, let's just broaden that out. Um, okay. And then, uh, last sports related thing uh, NBA finals. Mm. Uh, don't, I don't, I, it's, it's going to be Warriors Bucks and it's going to be the Warriors in six. But, um, wow. Yeah, I mean, because I because I want because again we've talked about this before. Giannis something or other. I don't know his last name. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm gonna say Giannis because I don't know. I I yeah. That's like somebody. No, that's actually. It's like it's like somebody. You know the people who are very adamant about pronouncing a gyro the proper way. I I don't really hang out with those people. No. 
Okay, but I, I, yeah, I, I, it's yeah, it's a little, it's a little too much. I think Americans get a pass for. Um, but on the NBA Finals, um, this goes back to what we were talking about last week in terms of Google's uh, branding situation with Nest. Did you watch any of the finals? Well, the finals haven't happened yet, so I have. Sorry, seen the the, the last round, the most recent, the the final round of the NBA postseason, uh, known as the conference finals. Sure. Yes, I I watched uh, Game Four of the Warriors Portland series, which was the game that you then sent me the uh, picture of after the game. Oh yeah, we we might get to that if I don't forget in two minutes. Oh, I thought I thought that's what you were transitioning. Into. No, but you can you can bring that up in a minute, or you can remind me of that in a minute because that made that made no sense. Um, yeah. So, uh, Google or, or Alphabet in general has been sponsoring the NBA and actually just sports in general super heavy. I remember last season for the NBA Finals, and then for maybe the past two World Series, Google has been spending tons of money to promote YouTube TV. But specifically with the NBA Finals this year, we talked about the Nest thing. No, like we, we were talking about whether or not um, Google Nest Hub Max was wordy. And no, during the ad breaks and like the little interstitials they do when they're reminding people who's sponsoring the the sport event, they kept saying NBA Finals sponsored by Google Nest. And that does not sound good. Hmm. Like it should be either just Nest or Nest by Google. Google Nest sounds like somebody who doesn't know, like, it's like saying Google Bing. Like, you're just, you just, or like, it, you're just, you're just ramming things together. Google Nest is not, you're not getting the brand equity of either thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then the, to round it out, yeah, the, uh, after game four, um, when the Warriors swept in overtime, um, and, and, uh, good. I don't know. Like, just the, the, the Trailblazers are kind of a complicated team. Where it seems like it's a little lopsided, and they kind of have um, LeBron syndrome, where everybody's all about Damian Lillard, but there's not really a whole lot of other stuff to back it up. Is that unfair? Well, yeah, and they were—they one of their key guys had gotten hurt right before the playoffs, so um, they were already, yeah, kind of a, a top-heavy team, and became even more so for the playoffs. Yeah, um, but yeah, after Game Four, um, since. Uh, the uh, conference finals are um, the TV rights are split between ESPN and TNT. Is that right? That's right. So um, ESPN, because Disney is trying to protect uh, from further damages and losses to ESPN as they're trying to go for like their um, super hard OTT strategy. Um, they've been doing a thing where like just their coverage of the game ends like immediately like there is no post show because they want to transition to sports center as quickly as they possibly can to make sure people see some brand equity in espn uh instead of just watching the game itself but yeah but there's this guy and i I don't know his name or i don't i'm not sure if he's a regular um nba commentator for espn tim Tim legler is who's who you sent me the photo of is is he um always part of the coverage yeah, because he doesn't look familiar like, to me. He he's one of their uh, head NBA analysts. Yeah, got it. But yeah, he was. They were doing this thing where like they they were talking about the game after the game, which is usually what Sports Center does. Um, but he had an 11 inch iPad Pro in front of him with an Apple Pencil in hand, and they were just doing like this weird, um, like Telestrator, like um, annotated video highlight thing. And I really couldn't tell, but like 
it wasn't very good and i don't think like it added a whole lot to anything so it had to have been an apple product placement thing like what's your what's your read on it like because it was so ear like you could not mistake that he was using an ipad pro yeah, that definitely seems like it's it's product placement for sure. Because I mean, the, the type of technology where replays are being shown, and then the commentator who's speaking over the video, you know, drawing some things or like pointing some things out in the video, that's been a technique done on Sports Center and other shows for a long time, and has been done in a way where you you couldn't really tell what the tech was. Because it shouldn't and matter. So, right. So it seems very purposeful. Like you said, that it it's um, super obvious what's being used. So yeah, it, it it seems like it's probably some kind of product placement. And it was also super weird because one, I, I actually I don't have the picture in front of me, but I can scroll back in Slack. But um, like I don't know if it was connected to anything because like uh, w- on the left side of the screen where they were showing like what he was actually annotating, the frame rate frame rate was really bad and like the video was dim so like it looked worse than any other type of technology they would ever use so yeah i don't i don't see a usb-c cable or anything. say yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's connected to anything now yeah so it was worse just for the purpose of using an ipad i i don't know like I'm, i'm i'm not trying to hate on the ipad but like that was i'm always just really curious whenever it's very obvious somebody's using something branded and in the same way that um What's uh, uh, the guy? New England Patriots. Tom Brady. Is he the one that beats up uh, Microsoft Surfaces? <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like half the NFL. Okay, so it's, it's yeah, I, I, I would have appreciated this guy throwing the iPad Pro across the studio, stadium. Although the Surfaces, Surfi, uh, usually have um, like really thick bumpers on them. Like they, they don't seem like it's just like a, a naked Surface Pro 5 or whatever. It looks like it's in some type of protective case. My, um, so I visited some family this last weekend, mm-hmm. and my cousin's son had a Surface. And it's, it's, it's pretty nice, I have to say. Yeah, like, no, like, if, if you're a Windows person or you're not a Mac person, like, if you just don't care, like, it's great. I wish Apple would make it. Seems like the way to go. It's got integrated cellular. I would kill for that. <laughs> like, um and just like the the key the keyboard attachment's cool because it's like it's all magnetic and it's surprisingly sturdy yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty it's pretty neat and the kickstand is neat like i mean so much of it is cool like it seems like a product apple would make but apple refuses to pretend that they're gonna figure it out i hope i hope they don't kill it i mean i guess what i what i didn't get to really experiment with though was how well the OS really does work between transitioning between a keyboard and mouse and touch input. Cause I, I mean that, that obviously seems like the reason why Apple's not gone down that route. But a let, but I thought Apple was good at, at uh, making software to fit the hardware or whatever. Like it's, I just think like, I mean, just because windows 10 isn't very good. I don't think that doesn't mean Apple could do it better. It's just if Apple actually gave a shit. Well, I guess maybe though, let me let me take that and turn that. Would you still want Apple to make the product if it meant that Apple made Mac OS even more like iOS? Then why then why would iOS exist? Well, no, I think the question would be why does Mac OS exist? Because it's the platform where you can actually do things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's move on. Yeah, let's okay. let's move on. All right, last thing, uh, before we get into actual stuff. Uh Resi. Mm. Do you know what this is? I unfortunately I do. do, yeah. Why do you know what it is? B- 
because they are the exclusive online reservation system of one of our favorite, maybe maybe our favorite. It is the best in the restaurant in the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. Pico. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I finally had to sign up. Um, so a couple things. It's super annoying that you can't even use the gosh danged application on iOS without giving your phone number and creating an account. I hate apps that do this. Oh yeah, so no, much because the it's all through text, so they need your number. And also, when you sign up, it sends you a thing. Welcome to Resi, Carlos. This is the number we'll use when we text you. Unrelated. Did you know Wolfgang Puck was born Wolfgang Topschwing? True story. Get these dumb cutesy text message get out of here I, i'm trying to make a reservation and get home with my life my my first memory of like the the overly cutesy uh interface i don't remember if it was windows or if it was the xbox it was it was one of those two things where i think it might have been like windows 7 or something where like when you went through the initial like setup it was all kind of just like casual language like it's really like conversational. conversational yeah exactly yeah. just just get out get out of here so can i make a a, a related complaint mm-hmm. this has come up and it's it's like i thought about it like i the first time i saw it and this is all in a week because i've been like multiple apps that have updated this way and i was like oh, well that's silly but um it now seems to be like a really common ui convention where the okay button has been replaced by the two-word phrase got it and I hate it so much. Like Twitter had a thing recently where they had a security breach where they accidentally let a third party partner um, have a bunch of data that they weren't supposed to. And the only button you could click after they let you know that your data might have been stolen was got it. And I think it was uh, both Duolingo, Resi, and a few others where anything that would say, yes, I agree or okay was labeled got it. And I don't like that at all. Hmm. I just, I don't know. Like it's, uh, I know it's a, like a really unimportant thing to quibble about, but like it's, it's just some things don't need to be conversational. And also when sometimes like, uh, uh, like it's like apps aren't perfect. Sometimes there's a uh, backend error on like whatever server side stuff your app needs to interact with. But a lot of times when you tap got it and the app doesn't actually do whatever it's supposed to, it, it don't got it. <laughs> and it's, and, it's it, and that's exceptionally frustrating because i hate when something's cutesy and doesn't do what it's supposed to like there's a whole like if oh, you mean gonna, like, like siri bingo if you're gonna be super cutesy about something it gosh darn better work you better you better got it as you would say yeah uh so yeah so there's that and then the other part about resi um it got acquired by american express earlier this week and somehow that wasn't news at all well, we briefly mentioned on the show a month or two ago when the rumors started circulating that they were going to get acquired. But yeah, I didn't actually, um, I didn't hear about that happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's weird and interesting. Um, and then the last thing related to this, because uh, this came up in a conversation with somebody else. Do you remember maybe four or five years ago? There was a controversy. Pro- thing. Probably not. I I actually think you might. Remember this. <laughs> um, there was a, a, a dumb San Francisco startup, and I know there are many of them, uh, where they would try to hoard reservations at top restaurants and then sell them back to people. What? No, I don't. I don't. I don't remember that. 
So I'll send you a link because I because uh, I did the research, or as young people say, I kept the receipts. Uh, <laughs> again, very in tune with what, with what young mm, people think recently. Sure. So, um, and it's, I, I miss Valley Wag a lot. Um, yeah, restaurant reservation scalping site is everything that's wrong with San Francisco. I feel like you could, um, <laughs> you could write almost any story with uh, the last four words being everything wrong with San Francisco, but actually that's five words. Yeah, it was a it was a company called that no longer exists anymore because I was like checking that out where they don't even have the um uh the wherewithal to like pay for a ten year like domain registration. It just now redirects to like malware or something. Uh but yeah, their whole thing was they would uh scoop up um reservations off of like open table or other stuff with fake names and then resell it to you. So that you never had to worry about getting a reservation at a top San Francisco restaurant. After payment, we'll give you the name to use when you arrive at the restaurant. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and like getting into foreign cinema is that hard. <sighs> you got to think a little ahead. To you got to take a, think a week, in ahead, uh, think a week in advance. Yeah. I think for a weekend, it's at least a couple weeks in there. But, well, anyway. but, but, but we know only cool people eat out at uh, 6 o'clock on a Wednesday. That's my favorite time. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So anyway, that was really dumb. So the the resi thing uh, totally reminded me of this, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, that that used to be a controversy. Now it's abortion rights. Simple times. Yeah. Um. Apple five G modems. That man. Yeah, we can we can we can skip that. Okay. So let's let's play through follow up real quick. So smart scales. Uh, I was I was bringing up last week how my smart scale would uh just because it felt like it. Uh, choose to say I was 4.1 pounds heavier than I am, and then I would step off the scale, and it would then weigh me accurately, which is very frustrating. And you brought up that yours does not do that, which is great. But um, <laughs> but you also mentioned, so the, the reason I'm talking about this is that you mentioned that your scale is rechargeable. Yes. So I did some research on this because uh, Wirecutter, and again, I have a fraught relationship with Wirecutter. Um I generally don't like any of their recommendations. They recommended uh, the Eufy brand, which I don't like, which I I learned that is a, it's a sub-brand of Anchor, the people who make um, chargers that people like. I don't know. I just don't, I don't necessarily trust it. Same reason why I don't want a Eufy robot vacuum cleaner. I just, they're, I don't love the brand. Um, and I, I just don't trust it for liability and have, and like for them to actually develop an app that doesn't stink. Um, I'm not going to buy a scale from a company called weight gurus. So that basically <laughs> leaves me with like, and you can see for obvious reasons why. Um, and then it leaves me with, uh, the, uh, Nokia slash withings brand of products. And in terms of rechargeability, the only one that supports rechargeability is their like insanely expensive one. Oh, really? Yeah. Like if you compare, oh, come on, Amazon. Uh oh, the Nokia, the uh, the Nokia or Nokia Body Plus, yeah. Um, no, so I have to buy the Body Cardio Wi-Fi Smart Scale with body composition and heart rate. Name rolls off the tongue. Um, it's rechargeable, but it's also the most expensive one that costs um a hundred and three dollars, uh, or a hundred twenty if I want it in black. Yeah, that's that's the one I have. That's too much money. Because mine's fine. Like, I, like for to save one hundred twenty dollars, I will step off a scale and then step back on, and then have the validation that I don't weigh as much as it tells me the first time. 
<laughs> it's like somebody telling you you, you you lost the popular vote, but then telling you it's okay. Mm. So yeah, so anyway, like I, 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 um, I don't know. Like I, I kind of want a new one, but also like the whole point of doing it would have been to not have to keep wasting four AAA batteries every like 30 or 45 days. And unfortunately, oh my gosh, really? it chews through them really fast because I think like it's connecting to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and doing stuff like that has to use a lot of battery. And I'm somebody who I, I just don't like rechargeable batteries. Yeah, but I even like this, the, uh, the Nokia or Withings one that I have, the rechargeable one I've had okay, over for over two years now, maybe like two and a half years. And I've, I think I've charged it. I'm, I know I've charged it once for sure. Maybe I've charged it twice. And I use it a lot. So that's, that seems, I don't know. That seems really crazy that, it, that yours burns your batteries that fast. Well, but also mine is from like 2013. Mm. Like I've had it for a long time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe for our 200th episode, you know what to get me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. And then, um, movie pass i don't know why i decided to google it and see if it still existed but um allegedly so if you go to moviepass.com they have brought back uh their uncapped unrivaled and unbelievable service which now costs 20 dollars a month instead of the 9.99 that it was before um and it's super interesting because there's this weird caveat that you can see and they're very upfront about it except they're not upfront about it at all it says under uh, go watch any movie available in the app asterisk and you follow asterisk your movie choices may be restricted due to excessive individual usage which negatively impacts system-wide capacity which you're a company that pays for movie tickets uh, what system-wide capacity do you have <laughs> so like it's not even like comcast saying oh yeah we, we need to protect the integrity of your network and that's why we have a one terabyte cap so it's a C terms of use section 2.5 for further details. And then if you read that section, it's, it's just random words that mean nothing. So a couple of like a, a quick cursory search brought me over to the uh, R slash movie pass uh, subreddit. And apparently it means you can see about five and a half movies a month. And after that, you have to put your phone into airplane mode exactly at 9.59 a.m. so that it doesn't say everything is sold out. So everything's great at Movie Pass HQ. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, wh- why did I put CR Apple Store? Oh no, so Tesla. So um, yeah, did you see the Tesla uh, Consumer Reports article for this morning? I sure did. All right. As somebody with firsthand knowledge of um, autopilot with Lane Assist, I don't know what it's called. Navigate on autopilot. Yes. So, did you read the uh, Consumer Reports article, or I read, I read, I read the the um, the, the the main points, the takeaways, okay. as you would say. All right. So, with your real world knowledge and um, our knowledge of uh, EM, what's up? I mean, I I totally agree with Consumer Reports. I, Navigate on autopilot is it's, it's not very good. I mean, it's it's okay, and it's it's probably the best available system for what it is but that's a fairly low bar when it comes to driver assistant technology um like you know the idea that it's a system that's anywhere close to being able to be classified as a self-driving system is 
totally crazy because it, it just as consumer reports calls out it just it just does a bunch of simple things really really poorly like in my experience it really doesn't handle lane changing in bumper to bumper traffic like it just it just doesn't know how to work you know changing lanes in tighter spaces it's really weird about like getting you out of the passing lane but then like putting you right back into it it's it's just, it's just, it's not, it's just, it's just bad at a lot of simple things. Now, again, it's, it's also, it, it's also, it does some things well. I mean, it does interchanges fairly well. And of course, like the standard lane centering that autopilots had for a while works well. So, so can we step back for a second? I just want to know, like, is this a thing where basically it's trying to make, like, is it trying to navigate freeway interchanges for you? Or is this allegedly like a time-saving feature to get you out of like a slow lane of traffic? Like, what is the purpose of this? Uh, well, the, the primary purpose is it's sort of like the next iterative step of autopilot, where previously autopilot was just lane centering and adaptive cruise control. And now what the system does is actually both things that you just described. If your route has you changing freeways it will handle that for you now or at least will attempt to and then it will also make recommendations for changing lanes along the way which can be um, guided by the first thing which is hey you've got to get over to the far right so you can change on to this other freeway or it can be because you're behind a slow car and it wants you to pass that car so I guess it, I don't know if it's so much like time savings as it would just be like doing what, you know, any normal driver would be doing on the freeway. But like having having read the entire Consumer Reports article, it is alarming that it seems like it just changes lanes for no reason and will frequently cut people off like that seems not. And that's my not, so that's not my experience. My experience is it's actually too conservative um, and actually like goes like kind of to an extreme to not cut people off. But that actually is, and I don't know if the Consumer Reports article gets into this, but there's actually like four different settings where you can tell the car like how aggressive to be about changing lanes. So, and I, I think I have mine either at like the lowest or second to lowest setting. So I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's part of the issue with, with my, with my car. <laughs> and they're called Portland, San Francisco, LA, and New York. <laughs> Sorry. Um yeah, so this this I'm I'm happy this came out just cuz I if if you read the entire article like it does talk about like where depending on how quickly somebody is coming up behind you, it sounds like some of the of the failings of the system that they identified a lot of them do have to do with the fact that it's using cameras versus any type of like radar or lidar technology. Um which is something that um EM seems to be very, very adamant about is not a required technology to be incorporated in the cars and that entirely full self-driving could be achieved with just a bunch of random cameras um, at different angles on the car. But also when they contacted Tesla, there's a thing where uh, navigating on autopilot also failed to return to the right-hand travel lane after making a pass. A Tesla spokesperson told Consumer Reports that it is the driver's responsibility to remain in control of the car at all times, inclu including safely executing lane changes. Does that sound uh, to be compatible with the way that Musk and, and Tesla in general market 
its self-driving features. No, and that's we've we've talked about that before. It's the the marketing around autopilot. Really, it shouldn't be allowed. I mean, I really don't think that's an exaggeration. I, I I don't think that Tesla should be able to describe autopilot in the way that it does. It's it's misleading for sure. I don't I don't really see how you could argue any other way. Like putting putting an asterisk at the end of your big marketing thing, and then in tiny font say, "Oh, and by the way, like you have to be in complete control at all times." Like that, no, that that's not that's not okay. All right, a uh, couple of things that are holdovers from last week. Um, can you remind me what is this a TV episode really? Oh, this was. Oh, I remember now. Okay, so and this, this could be a, a victory lap for me. Um, you in the past, we 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 have been at odds with um, whether or not the Netflix style approach of making an entire season of TV and dumping it all at once versus kind of like an HBO style uh one week at a time for dropping new episodes is the right strategy and if i'm not mistaken you were kind of on the side of yeah the netflix approach is best but i think maybe something may have changed and you are coming over to the weekly or maybe half season drops is that accurate uh all but the very last part i i actually don't think the half drops would really be what i'd be looking for either because i i think that that's basically just like dropping the whole season at the same time but mm-hmm. but you know you're right in that i i sort of when netflix started doing that i thought i was in favor of it but i don't know we got going through this most recent ep- season of game of thrones and you know reading stuff leading up to each episode and then like reading stuff after each episode and reading all the twitter commentary and all that is just it's it's really fun. And I, you know, obviously you just, you can't really recreate that with a full season or even half season drop. So I, I, I like, I like the week to week thing. So with, with the, the run up to the end of Game of Thrones, there were, there was a ton of articles and people discussing like, is Game of Thrones the last big non sports communal viewing event? Do you think that's true? I know I, I don't, I, I, I understand why people feel that way just because there's not an immediate successor right now. And there's no doubt that we've gotten further and further away from traditional TV models, but those, those types of takes make me think a little bit about like, when this most recent version of consoles was about to come out and people were saying, you know, this was going to be like the last generation of consoles and it's very much become not that. I I think, I think there's going to be another show that, that goes the game of Thrones or like breaking bad or lost route where it becomes like weekly appointment television. I think those shows will become, less common but I, I i think it'll happen again yeah yeah I, like i'm not hmm. even though i'm incredibly pessimistic about apple's dumb tv service i really really hope they don't do the drop the whole season at once thing 
And I don't know if, if they've hinted because they've been so scant on the details about it. I don't know if they talked about it at all. Doesn't it like for these streaming services, I'm, I'm kind of just like thinking about this in in real time, but like, doesn't it seem like it's in like a Netflix or Hulu or whoever's no, absolutely, interest absolutely. to actually follow like a weekly release model because you get all the extra interest and excitement like i was just describing about game of thrones you get people to have to subscribe longer i just i don't know it seems it's it seems obvious that this would be a better model for probably the viewer and the distributor yeah i mean you're you're absolutely right like where um TV shows are so expensive these days, especially for like the high prestige ones that have like big, uh, big name directors and, and um, expensive talent and like Game of Thrones, which is very costly to produce. Like, why would you want to drop that all at once? Like, um, I think that was an issue with um, Stranger Things season two, where um, I think even like some fans were kind of annoyed where like, just like it's, it's a, a like that's supposed to have been a really good show, but just the different pace at which people watch it, like you're just so heavily incentivized to binge it in a single weekend for like spoiler preservation and stuff like that. But just the half-life of um, social conversation related to a specific television series, like if you don't do like weekly episode drops, like it's just, it it seems to just like um cheapen and reduce the long the longevity of a television show by not doing that yeah i mean stranger things is a, is a great example where i i think that's netflix's most popular original tv series and just the the general structure and tone of that show is is totally set up for you know week to week to week um showings like i i think um I don't remember if I heard this on Upgrade or elsewhere, but um, the point was made that it's kind of, it's kind of funny how TV series that are released all at once, kind of like uh, Stranger Things, will have cliffhangers at the end of an episode. <laughs> yeah, that that was no, the, you're totally right. That was a good point, and like because it, it literally doesn't matter, right? And especially since well, we'll we'll broaden this out in a second because like to like a, a greater critique of Netflix, but yeah, Netflix is just like it. I. I don't understand why they hate uh, TV intros and credits so much. Like, I get that they want to, for people to just not get off the couch, but they they really do not want you to have any downtime in between watching the content that they, they could possibly show you. Well, but I, th- I think that is a symptom of people binging these shows because it is kind of annoying to see the same intro like over and over again whereas if you're seeing it once a week then it just actually becomes part of the show but this 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 just might be a religious and philosophical difference which is people shouldn't be binging tv shows like you just you 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 can't just marinate on what you just saw and like consider it if the resolution to whatever you just saw happens 60 seconds later well, but let, that I will let me again play devil's advocate here though. So I you know I watch stranger things and you know, if 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 Netflix continues to follow the same model that they are, which as far as I know, when season three comes out in July, I think they're just releasing them all at once. You, you like, you kind of have to watch them in fairly quick order because, like, you were just brought up. I mean, with the whole spoiler thing, unless you're just gonna totally, you know, be off the internet for some number of weeks, like you you kind of have to watch it sooner rather than later. Yeah. But Tesla or Tesla, um, 
Netflix could just figure that out. Sorry, um, I have this uh, in in preparation for what we're about to talk about next. I have a, a Bloomberg article in the background, and I just sent you a screenshot. Fucking Gene Munster is everywhere. <laughs> He's literally talking to me from the from the other window. Um, yeah, I just do you think Tesla? Do you think Netflix will ever <laughs> change? Like, I just think that's very counter. Like, do, I, I don't know. Like, it, it just it makes the TV show, show unenjoyable. Like, if if Breaking Bad had been a a Netflix original, it wouldn't have been nearly as effective a show because so much of it was having the, that like six days and twenty three hours to think about. Oh God! Like, how how is this going to end? Versus if it was like like the thing like if we're going back to the episode where Hank dies, like spoilers, sorry, um, where uh, like uh, Walt is begging for his brother's life and um, uh, Hank tells him to go fuck himself. Like if if that if like the resolution to that episode happened twenty seconds late, like that's just not that's just a bad way to consume media. It's not. It's just like sure you're consuming more content and sure you're like you're getting more story per minute but i think like the net enjoyment and um like internalization of the story that is the culmination of hundreds of people's work over years like it's like it's not good i don't know yeah no i i agree like imagining binging these last 6 episodes of game of thrones which were the number of season, number of episodes rather in uh, season eight it would be like that that's ridiculous like I, I don't i can't even really imagine what that experience would be like <laughs> i'd be a, a, a smorgasbord of disappointment no. <laughs> um all right and then people with uncalibrated tvs would be really upset for episode three yes yeah uh that was a very good syracuse tweet all right uh amazon go we've talked about them before uh, they are going to institute a ban on cashless stores. So um, I think Amazon already said they're going to make adjustments and that that's going to be a thing that they support. We've we've discussed at length that we have different opinions on this. People can go back to old episodes on some of that. Um, do you want to take real quick the Comcast Hulu thing? So this was sort of the inevitable conclusion of the fox disney merger where disney was going to end up with something like 60 percent of hulu maybe more this is where i sound so dumb compared to jason snell i'm always so impressed like how he just rattles all this stuff off uh but they were going to own some significant majority of hulu and nbc slash comcast was was clearly getting kind of pushed out and the rumors have been, and it seems like it's becoming increasingly confirmed by the day that Hulu is going to become kind of the, um, not, not adult content, but just like the, the content that's a little too edgy for Disney plus is going to end up on Hulu. Like all the TV 14 and above stuff. Yeah. So it just really didn't make sense for either party for Comcast to continue being part of Hulu. So they, they've reached an agreement where, Disney's going to immediately take full control of Hulu, but then Comcast basically is going to get to be bought out for the higher of either today's value or the value of the company five years from now. 
which seems kind of like a win-win for both sides. Yeah, I mean, so people can listen to Upgrade from May 20th, where they where they very effectively explained it, where, yeah, like, the, the money isn't actually going to transfer hands um, for five years, but the, like, voting shares and ability to influence how the company goes and any type of strategic decisions um, fades away immediately, which is kind of an interesting um, economic arrangement. It is, and it seems, like again, like, Disney clearly wants to execute on this streaming strategy of theirs and Hulu is part of that. So it's in their interest to sort of take control right away. But then, you know, if you want that, you're going to have to give up something. And so, you know, potentially giving up some um, extra cash down the line, but which is also sort of tied to the success of the company. It all, it all, it all seems like it's, it's actually a pretty good deal for both sides. Yeah, yeah. I uh yeah, Disney is yeah, there. Yeah, Disney. Um all right. Uh, we it's super fast. Uh B&H, have we did we we alluded did we allude to this or was this just all all an offline thing? The, uh, the, the the credit card thing we've alluded to offline and I I think we've we've had a couple small comments about the their uh, move towards starting to charge sales tax. Yeah, so the the sales tax apocalypse uh, for online <laughs> um, pro photo and video equipment retailers has, has been a thing because there's there's been a, there there are like three big retailers that are located on the East Coast that were kind of um, <clears throat> a tax haven for California residents. Um, and yeah, so B and H. Coupled with uh, Synchrony Bank, which is kind of the backer of pretty much every um, store credit card in the world, have something with which honestly has to be one of the worst names of anything ever. Like up there with Quickster and um, uh, what's actually let's say let's say Pandora Premium. I don't know um, where that you could save the tax all caps where their Payboo card. P-A-Y-B-O-O, Paybu. So bad. So I, I want to get your take on this. I know I like I know you're not in the market for like uh pro photo and video equipment and stuff like that, but let's pretend you were or that, that was that they sold a lot of stuff that you you bought. Um their deal is that you basically if you use their store credit card, which has a twenty nine point nine nine APR, so uh holy shit, you better not forget to um pay your balance in full. Uh, if you use their store credit card, uh, they will basically instantly rebate you back the sales tax. So this, this is smart kind of in a couple of ways. So one, they avoid the 2.2 to 2.9%, uh, credit card processing fee that they would be charged if they accepted somebody else's payment method. And then, I mean, you can think of the rest of the six to 7% as being kind of just like a, a lead gen cost, um, for keeping people on their site because they now, they understand that they're at a disadvantage because if you, because like uh, Amazon also sells this very expensive stuff and Amazon can get stuff to you same day often, uh, but almost always uh, generally within one to two days. Um, so yeah, so they're they're taking maybe a six to 7% discount on everything else by giving you a rebate on the sales tax. So it's still kind of like the old method, but um, they no longer run afoul of... Um, Stuff that has changed since recent Supreme Court decisions and states that are um, looking to get their sales tax revenue. 
I don't know. So yeah, did you does this interest you if you were a customer of theirs, or would you not want to sign up for a store credit card? I mean, I have an Amazon store card that I really like. Um, so I, I, I guess if I shopped at B and H a lot, I would consider this. I'm a little confused about how the economics of this work for them or for you, for the customer for them. Although I guess, I mean, as I'm saying that in real time, like I'm thinking about that Amazon card I have, it's a, it's a flat 5% back, um, on every Amazon purchase. Although, although the difference there is it's Amazon, it's basically Amazon cash. So that 5% goes into basically like a gift card bucket. So it's money that you're putting back into Amazon, whereas this is straight cash. But like in California, I mean, our our sales tax is, I mean, God, it goes up every other week. But it, I mean, what is it 9%. now? It's like 9%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're right in that they do save some credit card transaction fees. So maybe it's 7% that um, they're actually kind of out of pocket on. That, that seems high. Like, I guess... I guess they sell the kind of stuff where there's more than seven percent margin. Like if obviously if you're a low margin like Costco like business, like this is not a sustainable model. But I mean I guess when you're selling if I forget what your photo scanner was, four thousand dollar photo scanners, maybe it's my photo scanner is very cheap. Um oh you mean the auto document one? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's it's uh the memories last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Until my Synology one day just decides to die. I am so dead. I, I, I honestly haven't checked if my Backblaze B2 backup is still working, so I should probably check that. No, I, I, I do actually periodically uh, check that. And I also do, um, I actually do need to stop making fun of your photo scanner because uh, as part of this family visit last weekend, I actually took home quite a few uh, family photos. So. Ooh. Okay. I mean, we, we I mean, to, you know, might need to borrow that scanner. We need to talk offline about that because I have a lot of, uh, uh, there's much to talk about with that. Okay. Um, both the nature of family photos and also, yeah, the technology, the T word aspect of it. But yeah. Um, yeah. So this is interesting. I, I'm, I, I, I don't, I really hate store credit cards. I, I don't like them. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to do because of the, um, uh, tax Armageddon. I kind of, uh, again, to use a term that may may or may not actually be a real term, I pulled forward a lot of the purchases I was going to make. So therefore, I don't really have any um, upcoming ones that would force this decision. But I just don't like store credit cards. Like I have the credit accounts that I manage and I pay everything off in full and I have a good credit score. I, I, just, I don't like store credit cards. The store, the store credit cards that I don't like and that I actually went through and, and canceled all of some number of years ago are the ones that I wasn't really using very frequently. Mm-hmm. But the ones that I use, you know, very regularly, like that Amazon one, I mm-hmm. I don't really have any problem with. Although, like thinking about it, I think that that Amazon one's <laughs> the only one that I have. Um, well, and, and your Magnolia home video. Or it, well, actually, no, I was gonna make a joke about Best Buy, but actually, I I think we're two weeks away from chip and joanna having a store credit card <laughs> maybe they they much like taylor swift they know how to get their money mm-hmm. um i was actually at target and i bought a couple of uh hearth and hand uh, home goods so there you go they got their hands on me too still haven't bought homebody yet but oh really i'm i need a new coffee table book so maybe 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Um, uh, okay. Um, let's talk about the Apple Store thing. Do you have uh, the article open? I sure do. Okay. So this is now information that is like three weeks old because we keep putting it off. But do you remember, so I think it was in March that Angela Arendt's, um stepped away from her day-to-day role at Apple as head of SVP of retail. I forget what her title was. Um, and there, there's been much said about her tenure and whether or not she chose to leave voluntarily or was forced out or was unwilling to uh, make the changes that Apple saw necessary based off of their um, uh, changing uh, position in the market. So there was a big Bloomberg story, which the sources of, I mean, nobody's really sure if these are disgruntled Apple employees or what the deal is or who they got to speak on background because most, most of the sources are anonymous. But it's just maybe the perspective of like four or five different people talking about why Apple retail has changed and what the, um, the growing pains have been, what the problem is. Um, so right now, so there's a few things that... Um, Stuck out to me, and unfortunately, because it's three weeks old, I don't have these offhand. Um, spend there we go. Okay, this is this is the best part. So I'm jumping all around, but so this is a, this is a paragraph talking about uh, Aaron's move to change uh, the the nature of a lot of their stores. Uh, one of her first moves was to turn the stores into quote unquote town squares where shoppers could hang out and in industry uh, in in industry parlance spend time with the brand. Lines at Genius Bars would have spoiled the effects of stores started replacing the beloved customer service counters with Genius Bros, comfortable seating under trees, tables, and roaming geniuses. Checkout counters also disappeared in favor of salespeople. So, I mean, I, do I guess my general question for you, because there's not a whole lot, like people should read this article and it's very good, but do you think... Angela Arendt's failed or she did what she was hired to do and the needs of Apple have just changed and therefore that arrangement is no longer compatible? Very much the latter. I, I think she I think she was hired for the exact purpose of changing the way Apple stores looked, felt, and worked in in the way that she ended up executing on. Um I I don't know if, you know, she came to Apple with some vision that they bought into or if someone else within Apple came up with this vision and thought that Angela would be a good fit. But in either case, I think she did exactly what she was supposed to do, which, you know, in hindsight is just just a really, really... No, and actually, no, not even in hindsight. We we were calling out all this stuff as it was happening, and like how ridiculous it was, like all the Apple Grove stuff and Town Square nonsense. Like, no, we 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 were calling this stuff out. I I disagree. We we were calling out the Town Square stuff. I think Apple the the Genius Groves were amazing. <laughs> I, like the the stores looked cool because like I like I've I've been to the uh, the the Chicago one that had the whole crazy roof that didn't work and um, the Union Square. Like I I think all like the stores have never looked more beautiful. And I think as a branding play, which I think is probably what she was hired to do. I think she was very, very effective at making the stores look cool. Like the video walls are neat. I think today at Apple was an interesting concept. And I think that's what they wanted. I think it's just that Apple shifted from being in a position where 
people were just knocking down the door to buy uh, phones that Tim Cook kept demanding they jack up the price on versus now a thing where they're trying to pretend their $750 phone is actually a $400 phone. Like, I think just what they wanted out of the deal is just very, very different. Right. So, but I, another question. So do you, do you think uh, Aaron's was hired because of the Apple watch? Like, because the one issue I have with this article is they kind of maybe suggest or intimate that, um, like the Apple watch edition and a lot of the Apple watch stuff was her doing, or do you think that was just a coincidence, a coincidence on timing? And most of that was Johnny. I think that was a, I think the Apple watch in general was a coincidence on timing. And I've always been under the impression, um, I don't know if this was Gruber or others, or maybe Gruber and a combination of others that had had some at least third-hand reporting that the addition thing was very much Johnny Ives' deal. I, yeah, the whole like subtext was always that it was just like, uh, yeah, let him do whatever he wants. Or like this, the, it's going to be a thing where we, we sell 500 of these worldwide. Do they still make the ceramic one? Like, you know how they scaled back the addition for a while, um, and then they made a white one that was all ceramic, and it was like $1,200? Is that also gone? Is it just uh, sport and steel now? I mean, have you have you tried looking at the Apple Watch page recently? <laughs> um, I, I, well, I, I open it, and then I see the spicy orange band, and then I just, I just fall asleep. Or I, I just get so happy, I just go into a dream world. Oh, but sorry, they still have the Hermes watch. Right. Uh, but to answer your question, no. I think when Series 4 was announced, there, if I recall correctly, there were a bunch of hot takes about how um, the edition was officially gone. Because unlike with the Series uh, 2 and 3, there was no longer this ceramic edition. Or may, I don't know, maybe the ceramic, maybe edition took a break for series two and then came back. I don't remember exactly, but I, I, I don't think it's around anymore. Got it. God, Apple, Apple sells a $79 charging dock for the Apple watch. I assume Apple would sell you $79 to be able to sit down in their store. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. Apple doesn't like its customers, Ryan. <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. Um, also, Apple doesn't like me because I want to buy some Powerbeats Pro because I because I, I finally bro- I've been going back to the gym uh, for the first time in a very long time, unrelated of other things. Um, and I uh, broke the little because um, did I ever convince you to buy the Bose Sound Sports? I think I did. Oh yeah, I mean, gosh, I those are like my second most. Those are your backup used- headphones. Yeah. Uh, no, they're my. Um- so my AirPods are my most used because I use those like when I'm in the office or... Well, then what do you use your Powerbeats for? Well, so, okay. So the, the, I, I have three three sets of headphones <laughs> phones that I use regularly. No, I actually think this makes sense. And I, I actually don't view this as being crazy. All right, um, sell it. So AirPods are what, what I use in the office. They're what I use if I'm making phone calls. And they're what I use like around the house. But then if I'm out and about where I'm in a maybe slightly more noisy environment, like if I'm commuting, that's a good example. That's where I use the um, the Bose headphones because they're not noise canceling or anything, but just the way they fit in your ears. They, They've got like the noise isolating ear gel things. Exactly. So I wear those when I'm in a noisier environment 
uh, commuting, walking around San Francisco, et cetera. And then the Powerbeats Pro are, are my workout headphones because like I had said last week, you, you got to have a pair of headphones that are just, just for working out. You yeah, can't. You're, you're, you're gross headphones. Yeah. Um, or like your sweaty headphones. Right. Um, so see, I, I think that's, that's, that's actually pretty reasonable. I kind of, I don't, well, because I've always found like, cause sometimes I've had like an emergency phone call or something I have to take while I'm running and the microphone on the SoundSport Pro or the SoundSports is really, really bad. Oh yeah. No, it's so ba- basically unusable. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So I don't know, like, I, but I do want my PowerBase Pros cause a little th- clippy thing that makes the, um, cable that connects the SoundSports uh, not bounce up and down on the back of your neck uh, is broken now. So therefore, that is very, very. very oh, so were, were the Bose? The Bose were your workout headphones? Oh yeah, because I, I, I thought you were a Powerbeats user. I was, but the um, the Bose get much more of a, get a much better um, like seal on the ear. Yeah, okay. Where just like they actually sound like basic, like the the sound quality is good. Yeah. Whereas with the Powerbeats Pro or the Powerbeats Three, no matter what ear tip I would use. Like after a half mile of running, they would they would lose their seal, and it just would sound like headphones you were using with a Sony Walkman in 1992. Right. I appreciate that you're old enough to know what that reference means. Hmm. Um. So yeah, going back to this uh, article, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's a very interesting read. People should so definitely check it out. Um. And I just, I, I'm fascinated by one, and I don't. Hmm. I, I struggle with, I don't know if it's a gendered response to, like, I feel like a lot of people resented Aaron's coming in because she was not a technology person. Like, I could be totally misremembering that, but it just sounded like people were like, well, like, what, like, what does she know or anything that doesn't go well with Apple in the retail side of things? As the company is experiencing this explosive growth, well, we can just say that they made a hire for somebody who wasn't part of the industry and isn't one of us. Like, I feel like that was a lot of it. Whereas I think she actually did a fairly good job at one, beautifying the stores, um, trying to make it um, a place where people, well, a place where people would want to go, even if they weren't trying to get something served. Like, but I I don't think the, like, because like, Right alongside that, the next logical thought is, well, if the company's growing so much, why isn't Apple trying to address the need of people just need to get their shit serviced and they need to be a company that can respond to thousands of people coming in to replace their batteries because, oh shit, somebody published an article that reminds them that, oh yeah, we designed these products to be disposable. Like, I I guess like she, she did what she was supposed to do, but was also set up to fail in a lot of ways. Like, because... The company just didn't want to prioritize the things that ultimately they actually did need because Apple always liked to pretend that their products never needed service and everything was amazing all the time. So I just don't know. Like that, but the, like the different perspectives you see in this article from different stakeholders and people at different steps of the chain and different levels of um, Apple retail and also like there's a couple of anecdotes from just like regular old customers and stuff. Like I, I just think it's it's super fascinating and a lot of the response to her departure. I just think, I think it's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, Apple retail by all accounts is in a period of not just like small changes here and there, but sort of a, a fundamental transition, which I guess kind of Apple in general is too. So mm-hmm. yeah. Services. Uh, yeah. Huh? 
Yeah, interesting, interesting times. And I mean, even, yeah, the services thing, but then also, you know, what's coming up here at WWDC in a couple of weeks, I think is going to be a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, an interesting, interesting times ahead for, for Apple. All right. Real fast, because we're already on Apple, uh, uh, to, I guess, temper expectations on what would be coming at WWDC, Apple announced uh, updates to the MacBook Pro. Uh, they, they have found a new elusive secret material that will somehow make the keyboard not suck. Um, as somebody with crunchy uh, arrow keys, I do not believe this at all. And as somebody who, and you can, I'm not sure if you put this in the show notes, but there's a guy, I think his name's Owen Wilson, Owen Williams or something. He made a thing where he, I think he was making a joke about that. Uh, is this the first time a key, uh, like a new product has ever shipped and it starts with a from day one open recall on it being effective? <laughs> like it, it is fucking amazing how like I, 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 okay, let's, let's step back for a second. What is wrong with that? Like, how, why are they still sticking by this? Like, why, why are they doubling down on something they know is fundamentally broken? Like, are they so, like, they, they have $245 billion in the bank. Why don't they just make a new laptop? Why do they keep trying to do these bandage fixes on a fundamentally fraud, flawed product? Yeah, the, um, it, it makes sense to me more on the iPhone where like the scale of the iPhone is so ridiculous that it is legitimately difficult for them operationally, no matter how much money they have to make huge changes or like quickly respond to potential mistakes they make. But the Mac, the Mac doesn't have that same argument behind they, it. I don't they think. sell, they sell four and a half million Macs a quarter. Let's say one and a half million are MacBook Pros. Right. You can fix this. Like, just like, I, I, like, I, is this a Tim thing or is this like, I, I, who, who thinks that this is worth it? Like, who's doing the cost benefit analysis and thinks, okay, the damage to our brand and the fact that people think our laptops are defective from day one, it's worth it for us not have to actually try and redesign this thing. Who is making that call? Well, I, I think, and I, I guess I don't really know which of these would be worse. I don't know if Apple is kind of just sitting there like, we don't see what the problem is. We think these keyboards are great. Or they know they're an issue and they just they just can't execute on a new keyboard. But how? But everybody else can. Like you were just talking about the Surface. Like hell, even the... Um... I forget what Microsoft calls it, but the little snap-on thing, because like the Surface doesn't actually come with a keyboard on its own. I think it's called a type cover. Like everybody else knows how to make a keyboard. Like I get that you tried something new and it didn't work. Give it up. It's like it's like when you like in sports. Like if you try a new play and you you keep getting sacked or you, like it just keeps getting like it blows up in your face, you eventually stop. Like. And the part that frustrates me, and Marco, like I'm, I'm very happy that you're back on the ATP bandwagon, but like there is no alternative. Like I'm not going to go use Windows, so I just have to keep like I, I will give Apple the money, but like they just won't give me a better product. And it's not because they're resource constrained; it's just because like I like they don't want to. 
Yeah, and, and actually, I forgot to put this in the uh, the thing, but I'll put it in the show notes. Gruber had a actually really good write up on uh, what happened today, and he has an interesting little tidbit kind of halfway through the article where um, he kind of talks about how he was able to talk to Apple on background uh, this morning, along with a handful of other media outlets. Um, and there's, there's the kind of the key passage here, according to Apple, the updated keyboard should feel the same when typing. Although Apple acknowledged that the keyboard feel is highly subjective and users can detect minor differences and form strong opinions about those differences. So that, that quote, and just the fact that they've made this further small iteration on the keyboard and have expanded this uh, repair program does really seem to lead you to believe that this is the keyboard they believe in. And if there is going to be a brand new keyboard, it's, it's, it's still some ways away. Like my fear is that like, <laughs> The Apple's and we aren't going to talk about this because it's not really that interesting and people can go look it up themselves. But like the the whole Apple like is just divorcing themselves from Intel. Like if they're thinking that we're just going to keep shipping the shitty keyboard until we're ready to ship an ARM MacBook Pro, like that's that's not a great strategy. Like you shouldn't like everybody in the world or every Mac user shouldn't be punished while you're trying to figure out how to get OS 10 to, to sing on uh, an ARM processor. Like, but I, I really feel like that's probably what they're waiting for. Cause otherwise, why would you do it? Because like, I am so happy that Joanna Stern shamed them into kind of vaguely pretending to care just because Apple actually felt the pressure of having a really creative full throated rebuke of their shitty product in the wall street journal. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, I can't believe that a company, like, just the cost-benefit analysis isn't worth it to keep to keep making this and also to keep trying at the same thing and act like this time is the one time we've really got it. It's like the like the BP oil spill. Like, do you remember, sorry, do you remember when that, that happened? There was always a new idea of how to fix it and never actually worked. Right. That's what this is. This is the oil spill of laptops. And show title. Yeah, we still have sliding all over the place. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that's what the bend is for. Um, anyway. Yeah, that that was pretty good. All right, so yes, that's it. Um, all right, we got to. All right, I do. Uh, okay, so two really quick things I do want to talk because uh, you seem like somebody who has an opinion on the Playdate thing. All right, Pandora released a Mac app that is so not a Mac app, but I still like it because I like Pandora. Sorry, I like Pandora Radio. I don't like Pandora, the subscription music service. But it's it's 1 billion percent an Electron app, which is uh, a glorified uh, web page. But hey, it's cool. Pandora rec- uh, Radio recommendations are still the best in the business, so it, it, it can be what it can be. So had you, had you used uh, Pandora's refreshed website recently? No. Because I, well, I guess I actually I haven't downloaded this new app yet, just because I I don't use my computer to listen to music a lot. But mm-hmm. there, the uh, website refresh they had done this was a some time ago now, maybe even like a year or two ago, was actually really good. 
So I kind of wonder like if this app is really any better than just using the updated web experience. Yeah, I'm not sure, but the one thing is, and I really hope this doesn't play music or mess up with the Skype call, but I'm opening the app right now. I really, oh, and apparently there's immediately an app available or an update available to this app. I'm going to hit later. Um, where there's this thing when you open the um, the app or the website where it says you can tune your station to either deep cuts, only play music from the artist, new releases, and crowd faves. Like that's actually really neat, but I, I just, maybe I don't, see that inside the ios app which seems like that's where they would front load all the newest stuff because that would give them the biggest audience for it yeah that's that that's that feature's been out for a couple of weeks i think but i've never seen that on the app itself though yeah i guess i've never i had seen the headline about it but i hadn't dug into playing around with it and apparently uh luke bryan will be at the shoreline amphitheater in mountain view california on august 24th thank you i can buy that through ticketfly maybe Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> uh, nobody will get that joke. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. And then last, man, there's a whole lot of stuff here, but we'll, 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 we'll save this. Um, play date. Yes. So this is, so people know panic. Panic is a, uh, a Mac software developer that makes real Mac software, not electron apps. Um, they make the ever fantastic, uh, transmit FTP and Amazon S3. Uh, they, 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 it connects to a whole bunch of different file transfer services. It's uh, amazing. It is totally worth it. They also make Coda and prompt and, um, a few other applications. They're great. They're one of the OG Mac developers. And even though the Mac has gone through transitions and stuff like that, they, um, have committed to making really, really awesome stuff. And, um, People will actually hold on. Was uh, no, they didn't make they. So there's a company that made a thing that became iTunes, and they made something else called Audion that was not what became iTunes. Anyway, they uh, you will have brought to the listeners' attention that they did a collaboration with a game studio called Campo Santo for a game called Firewatch, which I believe you were a big fan of. Yes. So yeah, so they made that. That was one of their first hands at making um, some games. They also have something come uh, upcoming called Untitled Goose Game, which I have seen the trailer for a couple of times and always confounds me and I kind of want to play it uh, whenever it comes out. Um, but they have decided to... Um, they tease the thing where uh, there was like an old Steve Jobs quote or somebody from um, from OG Apple where it's, uh, if you really, really care about software, you eventually have to make your own hardware. And they have decided to do that. So there is a uh, a new thing that they're making, which should be released next year, called Playdate, which is a $149 um, black and white. I, um, is retro the wrong word? It's no. retro-ish. Yeah. Game console that has like an update, has a D-pad. That's what it's called. <laughs> and then an A and B button. Um and they are basically releasing their own uh, hardware game console just for um, cool games. And it's got a hand crank on the side of it, which I think is really, really cool. And gives me, do you, do you remember the OLPC? Uh, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, one laptop per child. That was back right. in the old and gadget days. Uh, but yeah, that had a hand crank uh, for people who uh, may not have readily uh, ready access to electricity. I don't think this hand crank is for elect- uh, 
to generate current, but um, I don't know. Like I just find I, I, I'm kind of excited about this because I, I, I commonly complain that video games are too complicated. Like you either have to buy a really expensive console that wants to download 10 gigabytes of software updates every single time you turn it on, or you're doing like this pay $20 and get 20,000 uh, gems to do whatever. Like it feels like games suck nowadays. And so it's from an outsider's perspective, like occasionally there's a good game like threes or monument Valley on iOS. That's kind of a, you pay five bucks or $10 and you get to have fun. But it feels like from an outsider, most games are bad. So I just think this looks super cool. And I don't know, like panic just has so much goodwill with me where I'm super enthusiastic to see what they do. And like, I don't know, like it just, it just seems like a really neat idea. And then from a software side of things, it's going to be kind of a subscription where you get a year's worth of access to the new games they release. And they have announced that they're going to be releasing 12 games, uh, one a week. So it's, it's, it's not bingeable going back to our Netflix discussion. Um, and I don't know, this, this just seems super cool. And if there's one company that can pull it off or that, that has the goodwill with me to be able to experiment it, it's panic so i think i'm just super this is awesome i i think it, it, it's a it's a great it's a great name it was a really well executed launch today the website is fantastic one of like the best designed uh product pages i've ever seen apple should take some notes here and that's available at play.date also a great URL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Panic is a super cool company. It's been fun to see how they've branched out into gaming, starting with Firewatch a couple of years ago. Um, and but with all that being said, I, I'm I'm a little more skeptical of the device itself. I I think it's going to be a bit of a novelty. Like, I, I think it's possible that a game or two could be legitimately fun and really interesting, but um, I don't know that it, it, it's a, it's clearly, I mean, by design, a very limited device. So I just, I'm a little skeptical of how great it's going to be as a true gaming device. And like what you're saying about the actual, like the model with like games coming out and not having to worry about like in-app purchases and stuff. Um, I agree with you there too, but I think that's where like something like Apple Arcade is probably a little more interesting to me because you've got the benefits of that model, but on a platform with iOS, which is just a lot more capable than something like this is. And I, and, and I don't, like, I don't even really mean, like, I'm not, I don't mean like just because the screen is black and white and because the graphics will be simple. Like, I, I don't really mean because of that, but just fundamentally, the types of games you'd be able to play on iOS would be a lot more varied and interesting than what you could on something like this. So I think that's fair. And I, I think there's different schools of thought that can, that can ascribe to this. But the thing is, like, we don't know how much Apple Arcade is or iTunes are, what is it going to be called? Is it Apple, Apple Arcade? Arcade, yeah. How much Apple Arcade is actually going to cost? I think on the conservative end of things, we can safely say it could be $10 a month. I, I think it could have, honestly be, again, what's the Jason Snell thing? Where it, it's whatever you think it's going to cost, like plus 30%. <laughs> so 
So, and then, then I got another couple percent on top of that. So yeah, so I, I, I think minimum $10 a month, maybe 15, maybe 20 where 15, well, let me bring up launch bar equal sign 12 times 15, $180 a year for games. Like, again, I know I'm somebody who doesn't like games or fun, but $180 is a lot of money. Um, where this, like, I don't know, just having a dedicated, like, this is, this is coming from somebody who, who bought a Kindle Oasis and I am the past two weeks, I've actually been reading way more and I have a ton of appreciation for my Kindle as being a unitasker that is really, really good at what it does and also eliminates distraction. And I know saying like, if if we're then, uh, moving that thought over to this device, saying a, a game console that elim- that eliminates distraction is is like kind of rich but i i don't know like i i think it has a place be- and and the um the counterpoint or the other example i will bring up to maybe suggest why that is the case is um hasn't every time nintendo releases like one of those retro cuz they they've they've done um i think it was called the game boy micro and then they did the didn't they make like an $80 like HDMI connection SNES or something? Yeah, they did the 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 mini, the little mini NES and then the little mini uh, SNES. And didn't those like, weren't those like impossible to find and they sold a whole way more than I thought they would? Yeah, the, the NES was hard to find originally. They uh, actually ended up bringing it back. And I, I think it, I don't know if it still is, but for some period of time, it was pretty easy to get. And then the super... Nintendo version of it may have been like a little hard initially, but then I, I think you could eventually just kind of get one. Yeah. So like, I think this is kind of the same. Like, I, I don't think people are going to buy this like in amazing quantities, but I think it's going to be, I don't know. I like, I just, again, there's just so much goodwill where I want them to succeed. And anybody who's trying to not do something shitty that resolves, that, that revolves around either, abusing your privacy and selling your data or trying to screw you with in-app purchases. I'm just so much on the side of them succeeding where I don't know, like I think maybe that'll, that'll blind me to something that might not actually work. I, 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 I really, really like everything about this and I, I, I don't, I really don't want to be overly critical of it because I, again, support the company. It's a really cool idea the the only thing I wish is I, I I do wish that they maybe I don't know maybe made this thing one ninety nine or two forty nine and and just made it a little bit more of a capable machine. But I think at that price point you expect a lot more. One, I but I think you would get a lot more. Probably. But I don't think you should. I mean, because like they're not Nintendo, like they're not Microsoft. They don't have the ability to try to foster like i don't think they want to run like an app store and be like steam like i I just feel like there's so much like at a certain price point you have to um have a level of commitment to making an ecosystem where at this point they can say hey we're promising maybe a game a week and we're gonna try to get some of our developer buddies to make some cool stuff for this and hopefully it all works out and worst case, you spent one fifty and you got this really cool thing. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Are you are you think you're in for one? Uh probably. I mean, because I feel like I've underpaid for transmit as an application. So, <laughs> um, over the past uh, t- 
20 years of being a Mac user, I feel like uh, they, they owe, I owe them 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I never finished playing Firewatch, so that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Turns out Brand wins that one too. He does, yeah. Did didn't see that coming. Yeah, the the the, the campers or I don't know. <laughs> it's five years ago. He survives the surprise dragon attack. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a lot of leftover stuff, so people in their meantime should go. Uh, we will discuss it next week because again, we're gonna always, I guess, every week pick one thing and uh, kite it into the next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why? That's a that's a good finance term. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of an unethical term, but it's, yeah, we're going to kite forward. Um, uh, what's his name? Who's the other one? Not Jason. So Mike Isaacs. Uh, people should subscribe to his newsletter. And he had a really good one this week um, called Nothing Bad Can Stay. Really, really well written. And we'll discuss it next week. Yeah, I think there's some special chef's specials before we end. Let's do it. Um so I, I I don't remember if I had made this uh, a pick already, but even if I have, it's good enough to be made a pick again, uh, which is the uh, new TiVo auto skip feature. Have, do you have this on your TiVo? I know uh, the first time I used my TiVo in a month was watching the Sharks game mm. because it wasn't on the um, NBC My Teams app, which I still don't understand. Got it. Um. So we, we actually, we use, we use our TiVo a fair amount and the, you know, skip mode is been truly fantastic. Like one of the best TiVo features that's come out in a while. Um, and they've, you know, they've done the kind of logical upgrade to it where now instead of pressing the little green button to skip, it now just does it for you automatically, which it's it's just it's so well done and works so great that it's made something that was awesome ten times better. It and it's 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 a simple little thing, but um, yeah, it's it's great. Um, do you? Yeah, I haven't used it in a while, but like, how do you get a notification that uh your um. The program that you're watching has that supported. Well, so it's it's any it's any it's any program with skip mode enabled that can use the auto skip feature. And the skip mode feature is highlighted when you go into your recordings. There's a little uh, green icon that indicates whether uh, you can use skip mode on it or not. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I don't have one. I can't think of one. So <laughs> I tried. Um, yeah, I got nothing. All right. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll double down on that. Well, you, you, owe, you owe the listeners a, um, an IOU. I have something. God, gosh, dang it. Um, hold on. I have something in, um, owing an IOU. That's a little, that's a little redundant, isn't it? Uh, I think it is. Cause IOU, I mean, I owe you. <laughs> <laughs> 